the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. How do you find a good church? (laughs) When you're looking for a church, a place to worship and be taught, a place to plug in, what are some of the characteristics of a, quote, good church? Hi, Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and this is the American Family Radio Network, Exploring the Word. And Bert, you and I are going to talk about a subject which I believe is very near and dear to both of our hearts. And let me say, one of the, the most frequently asked questions when you and I are doing Exploring the Word, we, we have a lot of kind of the, the Hall of Fame most regularly asked questions, but I get this email. People say, you know, Alex, we've we've moved to a new town, we've relocated across the country, and we want to find a place to worship. And what do you and Bert say about how to find a good church? And so I thought you and I would take a deep dive and really talk about this. This is a great subject, and Alex, you're right. They'll ask, we've moved to a certain location. Do you know of a good church? And most of the time, listen, Alex has been a lot of places in the United States, but there's a lot of places he hasn't been that certainly I haven't been. So the criteria for looking for a Christ-centered, biblically-centered church is vital. And you may move to a town where uh, you have to take I would say the least of the ones that have the problems. In other words, they have less of of these issues that are not good. And you want to have, if you have a checklist, and checklist, if you use it too stringently, it will be bad. But if you use it as a guide, I think it will help you. So we're going to help you have that guide. And you may find a church in your community, they, they look at, they have seven of the nine characteristics we give you. And, but that's what you're wanting to do. Find the place where you can uh, come in and be a part of that fellowship and make a difference for Christ and and know that it's biblical and it's Christ-centered. Alex, those two things. Now, we're going to expand that, but Christ-centered and biblical. When you Amen. When you put it uh, just into two categories, uh, that would be it. You know what I mean? I do. And, you know, by the way, folks, Bert and I each, we we research and we prepare, but we don't rehearse. And so a lot of when we come together, it, it I really think it is the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit, you know, leading us. We want to be led by the Lord. So I'm going to spring something on you that you and I have not talked about beforehand. What is your definition of a church? You won't believe this, Alex, but I was looking at our notes and I saw church and I decided, well, I better put down some words. And that was one of them. It's an assembly. Ecclesia is a Greek word. It okay. is a called out group of believers. Called out of what? Called out of the world, but called out to someone, and that is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And they can be a large group. It can be a small group. In the New Testament church, most of those were home churches. He would write, Paul would write and say, and greet the church that is in this home and in this home. So it's an assembly, a group of called out believers following Jesus Christ. Again, that means it's true in the United States, but it's also true uh, in the Ukraine. It's true mm-hmm. in 
Canada. It would also be true in uh, United Kingdom. So the church, a group of called out believers. And so Amen. you're wanting to associate yourself with one. And sometimes you may move to a place where there's not one and you become a church planter. You start with a Bible study, and you may not have one. There are some very isolated places, even in the United States, that a person can go and not have an evangelical uh, church there. God may call some people out to start one, and what we give them are elements that they would want in that fellowship, Alex. You know what, Bert? I'm thinking of about three different, very major, wonderful churches around the nation, one in the upper Northeast and one in California and one in the Midwest, where it really started at the kitchen table, yeah. that there, there really wasn't uh, an ideal place to go to church, or maybe it was too far. Several of the pastors who lead great churches they started having family altar and a Bible study around the kitchen table, and they weren't necessarily starting a church, but that's what God grew it into. But let me give my definition. I want to give a couple of scriptures, and we're talking about how to find a good church. I've heard it said, this is not uh, completely original with me, but I've heard it said that a local church is a group of born-again believers banded together for the purpose of world evangelization. And see, that's such a beautiful thing is because you're doing stuff that is local, perhaps, but the implications are global. Because Matthew 18.20, the Lord said this, uh, Jesus said, for wherever two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. You mentioned uh, the word ecclesia, the called out assembly. Oftentimes, study of church-related matters is, is called ecclesiology from the word ecclesia, uh, the, the called out believers. And you're right, we're, we're called out of the world. We're called to the Savior. We are called to Christ-likeness and holiness, and we are called to serve a lost world. And Bert, let me just make it clear. Uh, we know there are no like perfect churches because uh, I, as an imperfect fallen human, uh, I'm a saved, redeemed human, but I'm still fallen. If if there were such thing as a perfect church, it would be uh, compromised the, the minute any one of us showed up. We're all finite, fallen, foible, limited people, aren't we? We really are. You may look at yourself, those of you who are listening to this, and say, what do I have uh, to add to the church, or what can I get out of the church? It is who you are. If you're a follower of Christ, he has gifted you. Uh, the book of 1 Corinthians makes it plain concerning each and every believer uh, has been given a, a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Uh, you can develop the fruit of the Spirit that's in your life, that, that the Holy Spirit makes his residence in your life. So when you... Uh, become a part of a fellowship, wherever it might be, you can add to that using your gifts, and it may be with the children. It may be on the parking lot, but God has given you gifts, and a church is a place, a place of service. Yes, you serve there. Now, is it always in the walls within that church? No. Some of the most vital ministries that I've observed are those that take place when we leave the building and go out into the world so that they can see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. This called out group of believers called out to evangelize the world. God has not left them as orphans. He has given them what 
we need in order to accomplish his commands for us to carry it out. So we, we have great commandments, we have the great commission, and we don't need to omit either one of those, do we? We really don't. It, it's a lot like in, in marriage. Whenever I, Angie and I have done marriage counseling for a couple getting married, we, we've often said this, and again, this is not original with me. I've gleaned a lot of wisdom from a lot of different wonderful people, but um, I've heard it said marriage is not so much finding the right person, but being the right person. And I think it's in a similar way like church. It's not finding the perfect group of church members, but when you find a church that God is leading you to, and we're going to talk about what some of the attributes ought to be, making the commitment that you're going to be the right kind of church member. And, and I'm just going to say this, early in our marriage, and I, I give God the glory, it wasn't that I was all that, you know, spiritual or anything, but Angie and I, before we got married, we had a number of meetings with the pastor that married us, and also, just on our own, we wrote down some things that we wanted to be the priorities in our marriage. And we were engaged, and we said, as long as we are alive, we will be a part of a good, solid church. And we also made a promise to ourselves and that we would not only be a part of a church, but we would tithe, and that we would never, ever, ever be a part of a church split. And now, maybe that'd be another topic for another day. Those three things, Alex, what a decision, a great decision. We need to make those. Those need to be passed on, brother. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I look back, and we were just 25 years old, didn't didn't know anything about anything. She did. I didn't. I just looked back, and the Lord has looked after us. But, folks, you need to be a part of a church because of the community and so many things that we'll get into. But, folks, to the best of our ability, this comes not only from good counsel that Bert and I have been privileged to learn from over the years, but first and most fundamentally, I believe these characteristics are from the Bible. Uh, it's not what do Alex and Bert say defines a good church, but I think it's what the Word of God says would define a good church. Would you agree? I would agree. And you was talking about being better be before you do. Uh, mm. You better be right with God, and then you'll do and be able to do the things of God. Being before doing. And that goes with every person in a marriage, in a church, in a family. And so you, as being a church member, I remember when I stepped down as senior pastor of a church and I was going to join another church, I made the commitment, I'm going to be the, as good a church member as I possibly can. And uh, Alex, again, that's what you want to be. You want to let God lead you, not just, okay, I'll get along. No, you want to strive to be all that God wants you to be. And I use that word uh, accordingly, striving for it. That's what I'm shooting for. No, I'm not perfect. No, I don't have every answer, but I'm striving to let Jesus Christ have his way in my life, not only in my work, not only in my family, but also in my church, not to be a part of that church split, as you were saying. And we're not to just be nominal. No, we want to strive for for excellence as much as we can. Now, excellence yes. is something that according to what one would call excellent and the other one be excellent. No, it's being all that you can be for Christ. I know right. that, and that's what you want to do. And you want to thrive. You just don't want to survive, do you? You want to no. thrive, don't you? Well, yeah, and, and let me just say this about how we do what we do. There's a difference between excellence and perfectionism. Perfection we're never, never going to get, but you know the Greek 
philosopher Aristotle, he said the perfect is the enemy of the good. Some people are nitpicky and they're always complaining and it's, it never is good enough. I don't like a perfectionistic spirit. But understanding that we're going to strive to do our very best, we're going to give as best we can do, give the Lord excellence, and if we miss it this time, we'll do better next time. Not Because, Bert, let me just say this, and, and nowhere is this more prevalent and I think destructive than in church, a critical spirit. Oh, uh, per, the, the music was never good enough. The uh, event just didn't measure up. And I don't know, um, very often the people that I've met that have the most critical, cutting, judgmental spirit are the people that really often don't contribute much themselves. (laughs) But um, we're going to come back and on a very positive note, talk about how to find a good church and what are the characteristics of a good, fruitful, God-honoring church, the kind that we all would be so fortunate to be a part of. This is Exploring the Word with Alex and Bert. We're back after this. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. As we go, let us make disciples. As we go, let us tell the world That song represents what the church is all about. We tell people about Jesus. We are making disciples. And we are talking about things to look for in a good church because we live in a mobile society where people go from one area to another area. Sometimes it's all the way across the country, but sometimes it's just the next town over. But you're still looking for a church that you can be a part of and that you can grow in and also contribute and be a part of. So we want to give these to you. We had the introduction and we're talking about it's a called out group of followers of Christ. They've been called out of the world, called into Christ to make disciples. And you use this scripture, Matthew 18, 20, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. One of the the most important parts of your local church is the presence of God there. Now, we'll talk about that later, but you do want to sense his spirit and his presence. Well, Alex, as we start this out, uh, let me see. You've already mentioned it. Evangelism. Uh, yes. The focus on Jesus Christ. If I be lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw people unto myself. Now, that was true mm-hmm. on the cross, but I also think it's true in the Word and preaching the Word. What about you? Well, absolutely. And let me say, if you make the focus about the Lord Jesus Christ, the person and the work, identity and and fruit of knowing Jesus— God will bless it. He, he honestly will. And listen, I, I want to be careful how I say this, but here in America, not, not all around the world, because the church exists everywhere in the world, and there are many parts of the world where the church is thriving and the church is growing. And Bert, as, as you know, very oftentimes, sometimes the church grows the most aggressively in places of persecution and hardship. And on the flip side, sometimes the the church kind of fizzles and becomes anemic is in times of prosperity and blessing. And I kind of fear that's been the case in America, that uh, 
you know, we, we have been very blessed, but with blessing comes accountability and responsibility. But a church that is the church you want to be a part of does what the church is supposed to do, uh, keeps Jesus Christ absolutely preeminent, and proclaims that good news of how every individual can have a relationship with Christ. We are to preach the gospel. We are to win souls. We are to take the salvation message to people all around us. And, Bert, I, I just think that is the absolute starting point of any—if we're possibly going to describe something as, quote, a good church, uh, worthy of our loyalty and membership and involvement, evangelism and the focus on the Savior, that must be the beginning priority. Alex, I've gone to three or four churches in supplying, especially in those early years uh, when I was just going to uh, college at Blue Mountain and not pastoring. And uh, one of those men that I was going to school with would be out of town and they'd ask me to come and fill the pulpit. And on several occasions, I would find a note at the pulpit waiting on me and it would say, make much of Jesus. That is the whole idea. We make much of Jesus Christ. And he is the centerpiece. He is the focal point. And everything you do is concerning him. When you talk about the, the things that are fundamental to a church, they all center around Jesus Christ, who he is, what he said, when he's coming. And Alex, it's all about him. So in evangelism, uh, you're not going to do evangelism if you don't make much of Jesus Christ. Now, let me say as a pastor for over 40 years, uh, I, I wanted my message to be uh, one that the gospel is presented. Now, but yet there in the church, most of the people that I were talking with, they had come to Christ as Savior. They need to examine themselves to make sure, yes, we would do that, but they needed to grow. And that's why you preach the word in a consistent manner, that when you're preaching the word, you're sharing it with the disciples who are following Christ, but you're also presenting it in such a way that those that do not know Christ will hear the truth of Jesus Christ and know the gospel, how he is Lord, that he came, he lived, he, he died on the cross, he was buried and rose again, and he can be your Savior. You need to trust him. And so I really believe uh, in every, especially, let me say this, especially Sunday mornings, you know, mm -hmm. because that's when more likely you would get people there that are not saved. Now, I'm just saying that that's not always the case. I know a lot of folks that were saved on Sunday nights and even some on Wednesday nights. But Sunday yeah. morning, making sure the gospel is worked into a Bible uh, centered word of God that feeds the flock of God, I would say is vital. You, you know, uh, not long ago, you and I were teaching through the book of Acts, and there's a wonderful thing in Acts chapter 10 where Peter is, t is sharing the gospel. And there's a beautiful part of Christ's mandate to the church in every generation. In Acts 10, 40 through 42, Peter says, you know, uh, God raised up Jesus the third day, was openly shown to be the Savior. Now, verse 42, Peter says this of Jesus, quote, He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, and whoever believes in his name will have the remission of sin. 
That's in Acts 10. And so the church is to preach the gospel. This is not just what Alex and Bert say. This is what Christ said. This is the assignment. And look, I love the church. I've been to so many churches throughout all 50 states. But Bert, I'm just going to say it. There are churches that are not preaching the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ for the sins of the world. And that gospel is appropriated to the life of one who believes, one who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Greg Laurie, the famous leader out in California, speaking of America, he said, the problem is this, we have forgotten how to lead people to Jesus. So folks, as you're church shopping or prayerfully considering where to go, find a church that is evangelistic. Because I'm going to say this, I'm going to throw it back to you. In churches, there's blessing, and there's challenges, and there's great joys, and sometimes there's struggles. But, Bert, churches that are on fire to see souls saved. Um, Evangelistic churches, in my experience, are generally pretty healthy places, because if you're you're out there bringing souls to salvation in Jesus, that just promotes a, a joy and a, a peace and an enthusiasm that doesn't give a lot of room for for flesh and carnality and stress. Amen. So you're looking for a church that is evangelistic. The focus is on Jesus Christ. But secondly, you want to know that this this church, and especially the pulpit, the pastor, preaches the whole counsel of God, Scripture, God's Word for what we believe and what we practice. It's not enough just to say, I believe this. Alex, behavior has a lot to do with it, doesn't it? Well, here's two words. There's orthodoxy, that's right belief, but there's orthopraxy, right action. The Greek word P-R-A-X-I-S. Praxis means action. And we don't just believe it or give lip service to it. We really honestly do live it. And let me just say this about Scripture. The, the We often use this term, we want a church that has, quote, a high view of Scripture, the authority of the Bible. Now, Bert, um, we're living in a time when so many ideologies and philosophies conspire to lead people away from God or at least make the church uh, dip her colors. And when you've got the Word of God as your standard, and you say, you know, uh, God's Word says what it says about morals and gender and marriage and family and sexuality and truth and the rule of law and and holiness and repentance and salvation. Look, I, I honestly think the Bible speaks to every important issue, and uh, when we know where the Bible stands and we're committed to that, we're going to be impervious to the, the changing winds of ideas and culture. I agree fully. One of our heroes is Dr. Adrian Rogers. He's gone on to be of the Lord. At, I, I think it was 2005 when he uh, went to be of the Lord. And there was a debate in the denomination that he was a part of, Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, the whole idea was, what do we believe? And uh, they were talking about some things. Some people were getting away from the Word of God. And, They were talking to some people about, well, you know, we need to come to agreement. And someone said, you know, you got to compromise. And Dr. Rogers said, we don't compromise on the Word of God. 
The Word of God is truthful. The Word of God is accurate. It is God-breathed. Inspiration means God-breathed. And again, it's miraculous. Uh, the mysteries in the about God are awesome. The Trinity, it's that's that's we understand part of it, but it's still mysterious. The the mm-hmm. sovereignty of God and and man having full choice and the free will of man and how that works together, it's still a little mystery. They're friends, but it's still a little mystery. And I would say the Word of God and it being God breathed, but yet using men to write it down and even using their personality and their interest in doing so, again, it's a mystery. And and so one of the things is we live with that mystery. It doesn't put us away from God. It For me, it's drawn me to God, that he is a God that's beyond. Be, I can know him, but he's still completely beyond my full understanding, Alex. That's the God we serve. So when a pastor digs into the scripture and he goes and shares, like if he was doing the book of James, and he goes that and tells, this is how we're to live in a world that has gone mad. Yes, our faith is real, but our actions will demonstrate what we do believe. And so does mm. that pastor do that? Is I would say in the scriptures, is he handling the word of God in such a manner that it is truth without any error at all? Mm. God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. God mm-hmm. said it, that is it. So that's the high view of scripture. A church better have that high view if we need to be a part of it. Would you agree? Well, a- amen. And and you know how different churches kind of have different personalities sometimes. Let me just say this. Uh, I think about Jim Cimbala and his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, that really ignited a lot of passion for worship. Do you remember that? Back- you better, I love it. I love that book, and I, love, I, wor- I worshiped in that church, and I'm telling you, it was an experience of grace and great power. Well, and... I think about maybe John MacArthur's church, where or Erwin Lutzer, uh, where they very much preach line by line, precept upon precept, very big on expositional Bible teaching. I think about John Maxwell when he was at Skyline Wesleyan. Even then, that church was known for great leadership and structure. And, and I realize, to a degree, different churches take on kind of some different personalities, or let me just say it this way. Uh, God gives certain churches core competencies. But here's the thing that uh, I want to say about a high view of Scripture and then a biblical worldview. The church, in all of its permutations, has been a place of literacy. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, says that the local congregation deserves the highest scholarship the church can offer. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to go around with their nose in a book and, you know, uh, just uh, being bookworms all, <clears throat> all the time. But I really do think any church and every church, and it's got to begin really with the, the leadership, have a high view of Scripture, understand that all the things we do are, and all the positions we take are going to be filtered through the lens of God's Word. And then at every juncture from toddlerhood up, we're going to promote a biblical worldview. Bert, let me just say this. Uh, last week I was in Indiana, and I, I talked with some folks from a church, and they're having an apologetics biblical worldview study group among their senior adults. 
and I was thrilled, and they were asking for some book recommendations. And uh, a lot of times you'll hear about doing apologetics among college students or something like that. But I think among our senior adults, we need to talk about biblical worldview. With our little children, we talk about creation and the flood and sin, and Jesus came. And what we're trying to do, because of our higher view of Scripture, we want the church to impart an ethic of, of biblical worldview and an ethic of, of learning, lifelong learning. And I'm going to tell you why, because somebody might say, well, you know, I'm, I'm past my parenting years, or I'm not teaching Sunday school, and I'm just living my life, and, you know, no matter where you are. But I think at every juncture of life, as a steward, and we'll, we'll circle back to this, we need to think about um, the, the life of the mind, and, you know, being involved in every, like I say, what we believe and all the positions we take are rooted in Scripture and are an outflow of our high, complete regard for God's Word. And uh, that's just, that must be the foundation on which we do what we do. That's exactly right, Alex. And let me just share with you, the pastor preaching the Word of God, if he is doing it accurately, doing it with examples that demonstrate worldview, you're doing it from the pulpit. And I really believe it will trickle down to the small groups. I do believe that they'll discuss that. I know where I, I preach at different times, and, and some of those times I preach before the house Sunday school, and what a lot of them do, they'll say, did you hear Brother Bert's sermon? And then they go in there and they discuss it and talk about it, not where I was wrong, but they talk about it, how the Scripture is fulfilled, and it brings this knowledge of the Scripture and how it fits into our thinking, Alex. We need to think biblically. It's a biblical worldview taking time, not only from the pulpit and the classrooms, but in our quiet time looking at the Word of God that we can follow it. We'll be back with more right after this break. Now, back to the Bible study, you're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. It's about the cross, it's about my sin, it's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the We're talking about things to look for in a good church. Alex and I, we get this call or email, text several times a year. Uh, what what do you would say would be a good church to be a part of? So we're making this uh, one of our our goals to help those who listen and those who are looking to have some criteria by which to make that decision. And we talked about one that is excellent. Now, it doesn't mean perfect, but they're excellent. They're striving to complete the task that God's called them to do. And then evangelism, focus on Jesus Christ and the gospel. And then scripture, God's word for our belief and our behavior. Alex, uh, scripture is really, uh, if we're not going by it, uh, we're out there flying on our own, aren't we? Well, we really are, and uh, we don't need the opinion of man. And, you know, I realize Bible teaching, sometimes by way of illustration and application, there is a certain degree of, uh, 
you know, just our own input that gets put into the discussion. But let me encourage pastors and teachers to read your scripture, and as Billy Graham would say, preach through your passage. And as you're looking for a church, um, honestly, you know, I would encourage people, if you're praying about affiliating with a church, go to several, three or four Sunday services, find out, like, what is preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And, Bert, I, I realize one of the meetings in the week needs to be what I would call expository teaching. One might be topical, um, but really, when we're talking about the Word of God, you know, as you and I were preparing, I, I just made a list completely off the top of my head of what the Bible uh, says about things so relevant to our times today. Look, if, if a church really does have, as we say, this high view of Scripture, uh, well, it, inevitably, you're going to get around to these wonderful topics like this. For one thing, marriage and family, and how marriage is reflective of Christ and the church. Um, then the Bible, the Word of God, and what is the canon of Scripture, and how do we know the difference between Old Testament and New Testament? What is the New Covenant? And of course, Jesus, uh, his deity, his virgin birth, his resurrection, his ascension, his return. And of course, if you're going to talk about Jesus and the cross and the covenant, you're going to inevitably talk about Israel and uh, what is the nature of, of Israel and the Messiah Jesus and how is he the light to the Gentiles. You'll talk about the resurrection. Uh, you'll talk about how Christ rose and conquered death, and then what does that mean for us? And how did he fulfill all the criteria to be the Savior? Bert, if you're uh, a church based on the Bible, you're eventually going to get around to prophecy and eschatology. And uh, er ever since Jesus ascended back to heaven, you know, we have essentially been living in, quote, the last days. And what is the significance of of A.D. 70, and what is the significance of 1948, and what is the day of the Lord? Uh, the Trinity, the nature of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the afterlife, heaven and hell and eternity. Then, you know, miracles, God intervenes in history. Uh, Bert, if, if a church is based on the Bible, gives the whole counsel of God, inevitably you'll get around to anthropology and gender. You know, what, is, what does it say about God creating humanity? God created male and female. And uh, what does it mean to be fruitful and multiply? And how does God's Word affirm family, family as God defines it, salvation, eternal security? How do we believe in Jesus? Uh, what, what is the difference between salvation and sanctification? Angels, demons, the supernatural— uh, what about the supernatural world? Uh, you read the Bible and, of course, the hi history of ancient Israel. You're going to get around to human rights. And, Bert, I believe in preaching uh, at Thanksgiving and the Fourth of July how America has woven good biblical principles into good civil government. And we, our idea of liberty and human rights comes from the Bible. And then what about creation? You know, what about six days of creation and ultimately the flood and how the fall, Genesis 3, the law of entropy. Uh, see, what you believe about our past 
in, in large measure will inform what you believe about our present and our future. Uh, and so t- if you preach the Bible, uh, I think a church ought to teach on creation and the flood. I think a church needs to teach about uh, civic involvement and being a steward. And like Augustine said, you know, till we're in the city of God, we have an obligation to the city of man. Bert, I, I think that a church, and very often going through the Bible, there's ample opportunity to do that, contrast how Christianity is different from other belief systems, how Christians and Muslims do not worship the same God, or, or Buddhists or Hindus, and how Christianity and Christian salvation, that's the word soteriology, is different than other uh, religions. Uh, I, I think it's good to talk about, you know, human life and made in the image of God, and that we are we understand that um, there is the right to self-defense and the right to national defense, but there is no right to um, abort a baby because that is a baby made in God's image and it's a human being that God has a plan for. And on and on we could go, Bert. I mean, talking about the nature of God, we could talk about God's sovereignty, and yet there is human free will. And, of course, I haven't even gotten... Forgive me, i kind of on a roll here. haven't even talked about things like prayer and healthy conflict resolution and sacrificial love in the home and uh, how we grow and what does it mean to become more Christ-like and what are practical ways to pursue that and how we serve and how we trust God with our substance, our finances, how not only in our giving and our praying but our involvement, we... Every individual member, at least to some degree, can be involved in missions. And Bert, on and on I could go, but my point is, um, and that's only about half of my little list, but when a church is based on the Bible for faith and practice, faith means what we believe, practice means how we live it out, Bert, uh, it's pretty exciting, it's very fulfilling, it's honoring to God. Plus, what better thing could we do with our life? Um, You know, you look up, and and you and I know, you and I both have spent multiple decades in one church, and then other churches too, but I really couldn't think of anything more gratifying and exciting to invest one's life in than Christ and his church, as long as it's based on the Bible. Um, it's a pretty good way to invest your life, isn't it? It really is. I just got one thing to add. Do you want all of that done in one sermon, Alex, that list? No, uh, you no. <laughs> it, w- it would take a quarter century at least, wouldn't it? It would. But every one of those, and I was listening carefully, every one of those uh, are so important, and you see it in the Word of God. Let me just share this with you, Alex, and then we'll go on to the next uh, thing that we say a quality, a characteristic a church should have. You a, a pastor that does not do that is purposely avoiding what the Word of God says. You, yeah. you understand. In other words, if you'll preach the Word the way the Word is given, those things will be a part of the messages that you deliver to God's people. So listen, evangelism, Scripture, 
But another aspect, and again, let me just say, I think evangelism in Scripture blends in to number three, and that is worship. If you think worship is only music, I think you have a limited view of worship. We Mm -hmm. worship with God as we read the scriptures. We worship God as we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And it is to be done with great sincerity and passion and compassion. Uh, Those are the two things that you want to know in worship. Yes, let's be passionate about it. This is real. Now, passion is demonstrated in different ways with different personalities, uh, Alex. Now, I'm I'm kind of out there. Uh, Gary Smalley did the four uh, temperaments explaining animals, you know, golden retriever, otter, mm-hmm. lion, and a beaver. Well, I, I'm kind of like an otter and a golden retriever combined. So when I do that, man, I'm, I'm in worship. I'm, I'm, uh, it's a total body experience for Bert just about it. My foot is tapping. My hand is, you know, if I could clap and sing at the same time, I would do that. But worship is to be sincere, but it's also to be in humility, knowing that this God that we're talking about, this God that we're reading the scriptures concerning, the songs that we're singing about this God, that he has made us. And not only are we a part of his in creation, but because of the blood and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're his in redemption. And we Mm. proclaim that with music. We proclaim it by preaching. We proclaim it by sharing, Alex. All of that is a part of what we do when we gather together, isn't it? Well, it really is, and and Bert, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, in worship, I mean, you might think about just music, but but let me say, for the Christian, all of life is an opportunity to worship, and sometimes worship and obeying God, trusting God, serving God, uh, takes us out of our comfort zone. L- let me just say, folks, you, you might not sing in the choir or sing in the praise team. And maybe standing for the first 15 minutes of Sunday morning church while they sing praise courses, maybe that, you know, all it does is make your knees tired. Uh, But understand this. Let me say, if you are called on to get up and pray, and that is way outside of your comfort zone to pray in public, view it as an act of worship or serving on a committee. Maybe you've got the competency you could serve on some committee or teach or whatever, and it's like it's a little bit of a burden. Bert, do you remember, and, and I want to talk about worship. Um, I want to be careful, and you feel free to disagree. I really honestly think that uh, there are times when worship is so voluntary and joyful. And, and Bert, there have been times that I've been praying and praising God and we had 19 kids accept Christ in a camp I just recently did, and we were just almost tearful praising God for reaching a lot of young people. But sometimes worship is costly and even maybe stretches us. And I think about in 2 Samuel, David wanted this threshing floor uh, to make an offering to God because David had done some things that displeased the Lord. So he goes to this um, guy, and I probably am not pronouncing it correctly, uh, uh, Aruna or Arauna, and says, I want to buy this piece of land because we're going to build an altar to the Lord. And this gentleman says, you know, if you're going to do that, I'll give it to you. David said, no, 
I will not offer something that costs me nothing. Hallelujah. And let me just say this, folks, and worship, listen, the most alive you'll ever be is the closer you are to the one who's the source of life, and that's God. So I, I honestly think that God calling his church to worship him, that's really an act of love on God's part, because the more we worship and the closer we get to Christ and the more we cleave to Jesus, that's the most alive and blessed and favored we could be. But I want to say that in worship, we are to give God our best in humility. Um, let me just say this. In a church, understand that what we do and how we do it really is a worship offering. Um, Bert, I've challenged many young people, and, and I have to say, I, Angie and I held ourselves to this. As we were young marrieds, she was finishing nursing school and had to sit for the state board, and then I went to Liberty. And we, we decided that the, the way we did a class and the grade we got, to the best of our ability, would be a worship offering to God. And let me just say, um, even if you're not so musical, sing on Sunday morning Amen. and worship God. Serve, and yeah, serve even when it's a little bit painful, because part of worship, and we are the beneficiaries. I mean, when we worship, we are the beneficiaries. But I, I honestly think, like David in, I think it was Second Samuel 24, we should understand that um, it's right to worship God even when there's a cost to us because he's given us all things. Uh, Bert, do you think that's a good perspective on how we approach our worship and service? It is because worship, W-R-S-H-I-P, is short for worth-ship, W-R-T-H-S-H-I-P. He is worth that. So, Alex, <clears throat> not offering him anything that costs us nothing come short of what really worship is, that we honor him, we proclaim him. Uh, listen, I, I, I cannot sing and keep a tune. I cannot. My wife has worked on it for years. But I just tell you, I'm there and we're singing a song like the goodness of God or how great thou art or when I survey the wondrous cross. I mm. just want to tell you, I, I can't just stand there and not join in. Now, I may have to speak it and not try to hold the note out real long, but I want to just tell you the words. And those that don't like the courses, concentrate on a phrase if you can. Don't go into it with what I prefer and saying this is what I want it to be. Go in and saying, oh, God, I am yours. I've been bought with a price. I am yours in every way. We're mm. to worship him in his entirety. Well, this is what we're looking for at a good church. We've done evangelism, scripture, worship. But guess what? We're going to have another series of these items that we're going to go over. And so you'll not want to miss it as well because we're going to complete this list, Alex. And it's a list worth having for people who are looking for a good church. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Folks, thank you so much for listening to this edition of Exploring the Word, Bert Harper, Alex McFarland, and the American Family Radio Network will talk further about things to look for in a good church. But in the meantime, pray for the churches around the world and tell people about AFR 
and know this, that Jesus loves you and He wants the best in all areas of your life. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.